Well, good morning, Facebook. So glad to see you all this morning and glad you could join us on this beautiful Sunday morning. Grab a cup of coffee, grab your friends, grab your spouse, grab your kids, sit around the table, and let's sit down and talk about God's Word for a few minutes. Hey, before we get going, let me just give you a few little housekeeping items you might want to be aware of. First of all, next Sunday, we're going to be having a water baptism service down at the Gulf of Mexico. A great place to do that. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, you feel like, man, you know what? I think this is the time to get water baptized. Just go to our Facebook page or go, uh, excuse me, to even better our website and just sign up and let us know. It'll be around 5.30. We'll be having our water baptism service next Sunday night. As well, let you know a couple other things that um, the small groups are continuing. We started last week. You can still jump in. Love to have you be a part of that. Just go check out, again, the website. Look at the directory of small groups. There's everything there for you. There's things that you, you could be a part of all the way from financial peace, learning how to manage your money, all the way to things like pickleball or just Bible studies for men and women as well and children and kids. So check that out. And lastly, I just want to say thank you for all of your incredible faithful giving, not only to Summit Church, to the kingdom of God, with your tithes, but also your offerings, your pledges to the building campaign. It is making a big difference. We're so thankful. We could not be progressing any further if we didn't have that. And so we're thankful that you're making that happen and your faithfulness towards your giving. Speaking of the building, let me just say where we're at about that. Many of you know, we had the north end of the building just literally ripped off by Hurricane Sally. She moved through and well, you know, that's okay. Um, so right now, we're just going to have to uh, rebuild that part that we had all buttoned up and all sealed in. Uh, so we're just kind of waiting on the insurance and some engineers to look at that right now. And that should be happening in the next few days. And uh, we'll work through the process with the insurance. And then we'll get back onto it, right? So, man, thank you again. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, hey, I don't know if you heard the story about the teacher. And she um, wanted to... Um, just kind of do a little illustration with her students. So as the students walked in, they sat down, and uh, she had four mason jars there on her desk. And she said, uh, I want you to pay close attention. She uh, looked at, and they looked, and the first mason jar uh, was filled with alcohol, Jack Daniels, in fact. And, and, uh, and, and, and then the second jar was filled with uh, cigarette smoke. The third jar was filled with dark chocolate. And then the fourth jar was filled with good old clean Alabama soil. And uh, so she said, I want you to watch something. And so she dropped a worm in that first, uh, the first jar of alcohol, and then the second worm into the jar of uh, smoke, and the third one into the jar of chocolate, and the fourth one into clean dirt. And then she put the top on, and she just went about teaching her lesson. Well, at the end of the class, she goes, let's check in on our worms and see what happened uh, throughout the hour. And so she opened up the first jar uh, of Jack Daniels and pulled out the worm, and it was dead. The second jar of smoke, and it was dead. The third jar of deep dark chocolate, and it, and it was dead. And then she pulled, pulled out the worm with the, the good soil of Alabama, and it was live and kicking. And she asked the class, now what did you learn from this? Maxine waved her hand from the very back. She goes, well, I learned that if I drink more, smoke more, and eat more chocolate, I'll never have worms. <laughs> well, I think there's a lot of truth perhaps not in that, but the fact that uh, we can learn a lot from just a good old soil. Uh, hey, listen, I want to just talk to you. This morning, we've been in a series called 
prepared for purpose. It's been a good, uh, good series. Um, we've been using the book of Ruth kind of as our jumping off point, talking about purpose and how God has purpose for your life and he has purpose for my life and wants to do a lot of things through you. But you can't let God do things through you if you don't know what those purposes are. And so I just want to just take us a, a, minute, a minute and just kind of review where we've been. First week, we talked about how God puts us in the right place at the right time. We talked how Ruth made her journey back to Bethlehem, the house of bread, symbolic of the church, and how the church, the local church, plays an important role in your purpose in God. Number two, we talked about how God uses everything you've been through, and nothing is wasted, no matter what that situation was, good, bad, and ugly, and in between. Week three, we talked about people with purpose are familiar with disruption. And then last week, we talked how people with purpose guard their hearts, and they keep from getting bitter. Instead, they change their attitude, and they allow the disruption to cause them to become better, not bitter. Uh, go back and look at that sermon. I think you'll be blessed by it. Which brings us kind of today, and I want to continue on, on the subject of characteristics of people who have purpose. Now, a little bit I touched last week, but I want to do a little bit more and then add another little caveat towards the end. Number one, people who have purpose have become the very things that they've experienced. They become the very things they've experienced. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, 2020. <laughs> What, what, what can we say about 2020? Uh, and what have we learned from 2020? Well, we've learned pretty well that we, we can survive a season of disruption. Uh, disruption would be probably the word I would use to describe 2020. There's other words I probably could use as well, but it seems to be the key one, disruption. So in the, the thing about disruption, when you think about Jesus, Jesus himself was a disruptor. He came and he took an old religious system that was broken down, all evolved around works, and he turned it around and upside down and threw it out and said, no, this is going to be about a relationship, a relationship with a father, the way it was intended back in the garden. He disrupted everything. He took out rules and he put in grace and he, he took out sin and he put in forgiveness and he disrupted everything that people knew. And guess what? We're made in his image. That's encouraging. What that means is just like Jesus was a disruptor, guess what? You too are a disruptor as well. You know, we'll, maybe we can show you a picture or two if you haven't been by the building and show you what the building looked like after Hurricane Sally um, came through. I remember waking up like many of you and looking around and going, wow, there was a lot of damage. Got a little text from a young lady in our church who happens to live right back door of where our new church building is on County 12, County Road 12. And she sent me a text and said, Pastor, you might want to take a look at the new building. Didn't do too well. I'm like, oh, no. And so she sends me a picture, and I'm like, wow. And really, like I've mentioned before, it, the whole back end was ripped off. But, you know, what I believe, and what I believed even at that moment, and the words I actually began to ask the Lord, okay, God, I know all things work together for good. To those that love the Lord, I love you. You're going to turn this into good. So what can we do in this season of disruption? Well, the first week we were just flat out going all out strong, just delivering ice and letting, you know, just trying to help the, the hurting, putting on tarps. And let me just say, I'm so proud of you as a church 
and all the we put on uh, close to 40 uh, tarps in the houses. We we uh, close to 50 um, houses. We cleared uh, 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 trees off the roofs and things like that. There's so many things that you as a church body have done to be a blessing to our community. But then after the t- first couple of weeks and we you know cleared houses of the flooding and, and helped people clear out and we're still doing that. Um, the third week came in, which was just like this past week, and people said, hey, what do you need? You need some supplies, people from other states, people from Georgia, people from, from Texas, people from Louisiana, uh, all over Mississippi. They said, what do you need? And we, we tell them what we need. And, and, and so supplies started coming. Hey, we're going to send you 10,000 square feet of you know, appliances, furniture, things like that, goods, uh, cleaning goods, all sorts of things. And, and, and I, I said, you know what? Bring it on. Because we have a temporary warehouse right now. And so we turned the church building with the end ripped off into a temporary uh, warehouse, a a clearing house, if you would, of help. And so even this past week, you may not know this, but we as a church, Summit Church, we're we're handing out furniture and appliances and things like that, food, water, all sorts of cleaning supplies, shampoo, detergents, whatever. We had we had 10,000 square foot of just furniture and appliances, and we had like 50, 40 some pallets of just supplies and goods. There were there were cars backed up. There was about 100 cars we saw one time, just people just coming in. And you know what? We blessed people. We turned something that was a bad disruption into a good disruption. That's what I want to just share for just a minute. Do you know? I do believe that God is changing the way people see the church and what the churches look like in the past. Isn't it true? In the past, the church has always been seen as maybe a place that you go to and not a people uh, that are doing the work of the Lord. Listen, we've learned and we've talked and we understand that a church is not a building, even though a building is important to meet in, to celebrate, to worship, to gather, to learn, to teach, to, 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 to become closer to the Lord in that way. But, but and the reality is a church is a people, a people doing the work of the Lord. And so our, I believe God's given us a season, an opportunity to, to, to do exactly that, to disrupt the mentality that, uh, that the church isn't a place you go to, but a people that go out. It's a people. It's not a, it's not a Sunday morning thing. It's an all-week-long thing. It's a disruption, if you would, into our community of really what is a church. And that's, I, I think, a beautiful thing. So even in the midst of disruption that we've been going through, God is allowing us to flip the table. In fact, you know, I, I like this passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it here um, in, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, that's an interesting little passage of Scripture. Arm of the Lord. What, what are we talking about? That is the power... It's a, it's a picture of the power of which God uses to fulfill his desire and dream in that moment. I don't know about you, but um, I grew up with a disciplinarian parents, and my mother would say to me from time to time, after I had been be- misbehaving, she would say, you wait till your dad gets home. 
And, and oh, I remember that. I, I know. I didn't. Even, I, I dreaded the moment Dad got home. And then she would say to him as he walked in the door, she would say, "Sweetheart, you need to go deal with your son." And so, what would he do? He would walk into my bedroom, and he would say, "Son, we need to have a talk." Well, I'll just tell you right now. He did all the talking. I did all the listening. But one thing he did do, it always seemed to happen, is he came in and he would start, you know what he would start doing? He would start unbuttoning his, his shirt sleeves and he would start rolling them up. He'd start rolling up his shirt sleeve and he'd say, we're going to have a talk. Now, I don't know what you think, but when I see and saw my dad rolling up his shirt sleeves, I knew things were about to get pretty rough right about that time. I, and, and let me tell you something. The passage of Scripture that we just read, where it says, uh, the, Lord is, uh, the, the Lord's arm is going to be revealed. What he's saying is, his authority and his power in the earth is about to be revealed. Can I just say that the Lord is using the body of Christ, he's using the church to reveal the strength of his arm. Look, look at this. The word revealed actually is a Hebrew word, niglata, niglata, revealed. And it has several different meanings. One of the meanings of niglata is to be taken prisoner or be taken captive. A second meaning of niglata, the word revealed, is to be put to shame or to be disgraced. And the third is to be made bare or to be laid naked, stripped naked. All three descriptions of the word revealed in the Hebrew language is nothing more than a picture of Christ at the crucifixion. He was taken prisoner, he was laid bare, and he was stripped. And in the end result, what we saw was, as he hung on the cross, a demonstration of the power of God. And what did that power look like? It came across with a message called love. And when God reveals his arm, what he's doing is revealing the power of love in the earth. And in this hour of disruption, I want you to hear this now. Come on. I want you to pay close attention. In this hour of disruption, what God is doing is revealing the power of his right arm. Through the bride, through the church, through you, as you demonstrate the love of God through your actions, through your words, through your attitude. Remember, what the enemy means for evil, what the enemy means to disrupt and to cause you to, to, to stumble and to fall and to be distraught and to, and to lose hope, God turns it around, flips the table every time and causes that to become an opportunity to reveal the strength of his right arm. Wow, I love that. The second thing that people with purpose do is they become multitaskers. What do I mean by multitaskers? I, I mean that they, as Nehemiah, we touched on it last week, they were building a wall, but as they were building the wall, they were being threatened and perhaps soon to be attacked by those around who didn't want to see the wall restored. And so what they did was they worked with one hand, and then they had a sword in the other. If you can imagine a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other hand. And they worked. And as they worked in the natural, they were also ready to do battle with the other. 
Now what that is, is a beautiful picture again of what God is doing in this hour where we are trying to restore and rebuild the kingdom of God in the earth and, 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 and the message of the kingdom of God into the earth as we're doing as we're speaking as we're declaring as we're going day by day guess what we are working in the natural we all have jobs we have we have businesses we have places that we go to and 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 and, and we we earn a living yeah so we're working with a hammer we're working with a trowel we're working you know we're we're we're, we're going we're whatever your business may be and then on the other hand we have a sword and it is a, a spiritual picture that we fight in a spiritual dimension with the sword of the Lord. Sword is always a picture of the word of the Lord or the spirit of the Lord at work inside of me. So what does that mean? It means that I live in a natural world, but I also do a spiritual battle at the same time. Uh, one person said it best. I like it. Like he said, he said, we are truly spiritual beings having a natural experience. I like that. And that is exactly what we are. We are, in fact, spirit beings living in the earth, having a natural experience. We have a sword, spirit, in our hand, and we have a hammer or a natural experience in the other. And we have to learn to live life in and out, back and forth, going back and forth. Judges talks about Gideon, I think chapter 7. And as God is saying, Gideon, I'm going to use you. He's living in the natural world. But God says, I'm going to use you, but you have to understand, uh, the way it's going to look is, it's going to look like this. Basically, the implication was, God said, I am, I am going to come into the earth, and I am going to do battle in the earth, and I'm going to clothe myself with you, Gideon. Can you imagine? I mean, think about that. God, God is clothing himself with you. That's powerful thought. And when you think that God truly lives inside of you and, and, and has clothed himself with you, your personality, and your life, then, then God moves everywhere you're going. God is moving through you. You're multitasking. You're, you're wanting to hear God all the time. God, what do you want to do in this situation? What do you want to say in this conversation? How do you, how do you want to respond here? How do you want to respond there? I encourage you, in fact, to, to go to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 and 10. It talks about all these spiritual gifts that God has given you to use on a day-to-day -day basis. The gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift of words of knowledge, words of wisdom. All these incredible gifts that are available at your fingertip that you can use at a moment's notice as you are a king and a priest, as one who hears from God, and as a king, one who operates in the earth. You're a multitasker, and you're very good at it. And people are touched because they're not just dealing with someone like you in the natural, but actually someone, they're touching something in the spiritual as well. And lastly, and we'll finish with this, people with purpose reveal commitment on a whole new level. They reveal commitment on a whole new level. Let me read this passage one more time in the book of Ruth, which is so powerful 
uh, when, you, when, you, when you hear it. I mean, think about it. And when you hear this, I want you to think of the word commitment. Commitment. Here is, she says to Naomi, when Naomi says, look, Ruth, I'm going back to Bethlehem. You just stay here. And, uh, you know, you just go on. We'll just, just continue on with your life. And Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And where you die, I'm going to die. And I'm even going to be buried there. What an incredible statement of commitment. You see, I truly believe when you really find the purpose that, and, and begin to walk in the track of purpose that God has for your life, you begin to walk also in something called commitment. You know, it is commitment that changed. It, was, it separated the followers from the disciples. Commitment is what changes the fan from the player. Commitment is what, you know, the, the, the disciples uh, learned that, you know, they're no longer boys. They're now men. It, it was commitment. It was commitment. It's like the chicken and the pig were out grazing in the yard at the old farmer's house years ago. And they overheard the, through the open window the farmer complained that he had nothing to eat in the house. The chicken turned to the pig and said to the pig, you know, Farmer Joe has been so good to us, so kind to us. He provides us a wonderful farm. He always takes care of us. I think we should be nice. He doesn't have anything to eat. The pig says to the chicken, well, what do you have in mind? He says, I think we should give him breakfast. And the pig says, well, you know what? I don't think that's going to work. The chicken says, why not? He says, because for you, a few eggs is nothing but a sacrifice. But to me, bacon is a commitment. And that's exactly what God asked for you. He asked for commitment. He asked for everything you have. A few years ago, I preached a, a message about don't ring the bell. And I talked about the process that soldiers go through when they volunteer to become a Navy SEAL. A Navy SEAL is an elite, probably the premier elite fighting uh, group ever assembled into the earth. Um, they can battle in the air, in the ocean, and on land. And the process to become a Navy SEAL is absolutely grueling. In the first phase of the training in the third week, they have what they call Hell Week. And it is there that they separate the boys from the men, the ones that have an, a desire but not the commitment. And they literally call it Hell Week for a reason. They literally go physically through, in a sense, hell on earth. And it's grueling five days and nights with just a few hours of sleep. I'm talking like four hours of sleep. They're falling asleep while they're eating their meal. Uh, they're, they're sitting there just literally 
while they're chewing, just falling asleep. They, they're not allowed to sleep. They're not allowed to, uh, to do anything but run. They pick up logs. They carry logs. And, and then they put it, and they, and they go into the surf, and they have to lay there and, or, and stand there in, up to their neck in 32-degree water uh, for so long. And, and, and these guys are shaking, and they're sand all over them, running. They're carrying logs. They're carry, and they put them in groups. Groups of men. Within the first 48 hours, uh, most of them quit. In fact, by the time the graduation is over with and training is over with, hell week's over with, there's only 20% left that have made it through. It's a grueling, grueling thing for anybody. And what the instructors want to do, they're not trying to do this to hurt them. Yes, they want to train them. But what they want to know is at what point will they breakdown. At what point will they say, you know what, this just isn't working out. This isn't what I had in mind. It's really not worth it. And they put them in groups of men and, they, and, and they've stripped away over a period of time every reason they have for, for, for quitting. They, they're, they're, they've taken away, I mean, they've given them every opportunity to quit and they're still in this thing. Until finally they get to the point where the only reason this soldier does not quit and bail out and go ring the bell three times and he's out. All he, he has, there's always a bell following him around every exercise. All they have to do is step out of line, go ring the bell three times. They can go get a fresh, hot, warm meal. They can go take a shower. They can lay down. They can re, get reassigned. No one will complain. No one will chastise them. It'll be fine. That's all they, but the only reason you ask the soldiers why they didn't ring the bell was because they did not want to let their fellow soldiers down. That's called commitment. It's, it's called, they've learned, they've come to this place where it's no even, not even about me anymore, but it's about this man that's beside me, that needs me to help him carry this log, that needs me to help me row this uh, raft. It's, it's, it's called Loving your brother, that's why they can say no man left behind because it's out of a duty, out of a love, out of a commitment for another brother. And when you found your place of purpose, you, you are willing to lay down your life no matter what the cost, even when you don't understand why you're going through what you're going, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you know that God's got a bigger picture than what you even imagined. And all you are asked to do is to lay down your life for one another. That's what Jesus, Jesus said, the greatest two, com two commandments are to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and to love one another as much as you love yourself. These, my friends, are the characteristics of a person walking with purpose. So this morning I ask you, where do you lie in all of these things? When I ask you, you know, how do you handle, how are you handling this disruption? Are you, are you on top of this or are you below it? Are you living in fear? Are you living in anxiety? Are you living in depression, discouragement? Where are you with this disruption? And have you allowed God to make you a disruptor instead? Secondly, I ask you, how are you doing with this king priest mentality, a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other. Are you, are you growing in your ability to operate in the gifts of the Spirit in the natural dimension? And thirdly, how are you doing with your commitment level? 
Are you more committed to the God, to God and to his purposes and to one another than you've ever been before? Is, do you sense your commitment growing through all of this? Do you sense a resolve coming to you that, you know, no matter what comes my way and whatever happens next, I'm in this for the long haul and God's going to use me. Where are you at with that? Those are the three questions I ask. If you don't know Jesus, then my, my challenge to you is to turn your life over to him. Ask him to come into your heart. Make him the Lord of your life. Jump into the purpose that God has for you. And for those of you that have asked the Lord into your heart, my friends, my brothers and my sisters, this morning I just want to pray with you. I want to ask the Lord to do some marvelous things in your life. Would you mind closing your eyes and praying with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters in the Lord right now. Thank you, Lord God, for their commitment to you. And I pray, Lord God, that sense of commitment will rise. I pray that in this time and season of incredible disruption, that you will show us how you're making us a disruptor. That it's not really about the comfort that we are or are not experiencing, but it's about how we can communicate love to one another in a whole new dimension. Thank you for that. Thank you for teaching us as we walk with purpose in this world how to live in a natural world, but to operate out of the Spirit. How truly to be spiritual beings that are having a natural experience. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are causing the bride of Christ to rise up out of the ashes and the rubble and to be a demonstration of your glory in the earth. Thank you for loving us that your hands upon us, that you are leading us and speaking to us and giving us favor and blessings all around. We love you so much and give you our lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining with us on Facebook Live. Have a great week and be a disruptor for the Lord.